This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist with Mississippi Today. She's devoted her life to the advancement of the arts in the state and has now appointed the director of Mississippi Museum of Art since 2001. That seems like like two weeks ago. Crazy. It's amazing it's been that long. Uh, But Betsy Bradley is here in the studio to talk a little bit about how she's proven herself as a leader in the visual arts. And she really has made a huge difference in the arts community in the state. She now, of course, has a 2023 Governor's Arts Award to prove it. Uh, Congratulations, Betsy. Um, You know, it's funny because when I moved here in... 1996, you were the head of the Arts Commission at that point. That's right. Did you ever think a million years ago that was, because I mean, I was young back then, you were you were just a kid too, <laughs> that you'd be like hauling home the big trophy uh, from the Governor's Arts Awards? No, because I was you know, you giving, giving away the trophies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was, it was so much fun to do that. I know. It was my favorite day of the year, and it still is. In a lot of ways, yeah. I never miss one of the ceremonies. I am overwhelmed with with admiration and 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 really, I hate to say pride, but it it feels yeah. like a day when we can just be proud to be Mississippians. And so, I think it's just one of those uh, gifts that just keeps keeps people getting richer and richer and stronger and stronger. You and I were talking a little bit before we came on the air, and I think the things that the the reason I love this job being able to have guests in and talk about people that do good things about Mississippi is the fact that it's just great to be able to tell other people's stories and allow them to tell it in their own words. And the thing I love about the Governor's Arts Awards every year is seeing who gets it and seeing how much joy it brings to their life for getting it because they're getting a lot of people you know you get the big names of course you, you see those and you're like yeah okay they really deserve it they've done the work they've made an impact on not only the state but on a national level but the the small ones the, the folks that maybe never thought they would ever get any attention or any recognition and just seeing them glowing in the photographs well i have such great memories of those kinds of moments marshall from Pop Staples standing in the state capitol in the Senate chamber getting his resolution and saying, when I was a little boy in Mississippi, nobody that looked like me would be standing in this chamber. Wow. And it just, you know, I'm still, it still makes me cry. Yeah. You know, and I think about the people like Marty Stewart, you know, who got an award from us when Pat Fordyce was first lady. Yeah. And um, he... As big a name as he is, he was so grateful for that. And even this year, Ed McGowan's speech, you know, I wouldn't give anything for being there to see how much being recognized by his home state means to him. And he has been... He has traveled to 112 countries in his life. He's been everywhere, and he has been acknowledged by, you know, so so many people in the kind of upper echelons of the art world. But this meant everything to him. Well, to be recognized, obviously, from the state that helped create you, and and I really do believe that. I mean, I've 
I've had this discussion with Mac McAnally. I've had it with a lot of different artists and, and songwriters and authors. And, you know, is it because we're great storytellers or because we have great stories to tell kind of thing? But I also believe it's almost like a grit and an oyster to yeah. where it's like that, that, that thing in Mississippi, even the darkness that we have sometimes helps create beautiful art and helps create stuff that's like the pearls. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And you see it. And, but to get recognized by the state is huge. It, really it is, is huge. Yeah, it is. It, huge. it is. Yeah. It just, you know, you don't. It's like having your mom and dad say "attaboy." That's you right. Know. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's, it's pretty strong. Not that I ever got that, mind you. you know. No, I'm just kidding. You, of course, I'm, you did. No, my parents like me for the most part. But I, I got to tell you, it was great. I, I interviewed King Edward. Um, uh. That was, he was so happy about that. It was just the joy. It came through the radio. Yeah. It came through the phone lines. It was just incredible. Well, I think you're, you are onto something when you're talking about the oyster and the, the grit. Um, you know, I talk about it in terms of the sublime, which is, you know, that kind of terrible beauty that happens when we achieve um, this kind of transcendent connection. Yeah. And, um, you know... It, Aestheticists and critics use the word a lot, but it really is about what happens when beauty and terror come together. And that's what life is like in Mississippi. Yeah. We're struck by both of those experiences on a daily basis. Um, and I think that when, when that is part of your core being, you don't ever escape it. And I think that's part of what it is with these artists. They keep making art that pulls up these themes that formed them in Mississippi. I think about somebody like MacArthur Binion, who left Mississippi when he was eight or so and has had a huge career Mm -hmm. in Chicago, you know, was featured in the Venice Biennale, and yet the artwork we own by him is um, a collage of repeated copies of his Mississippi birth certificate. And so why? Why is it that that he can't escape his Mississippiness yeah. um, or doesn't want to? And I think when that's a part of your core to have it publicly acknowledged that that place is proud of you is grateful to you really it affirms something inside of you that makes you feel like you know you've come full circle and it's also healing it's it is healing it's like it's it heals trauma it heals trauma um i think that's really true i also of course think both the production of art heals trauma yeah. and the encounter with that kind of um, with art heals trauma. That's why we did this great migration show um, last year because there was trauma involved in six million people leaving the South um, as being refugees in their own country. Um, but our curator, Ryan Dennis, was determined that it was not going to be a trauma based exhibition, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was about reframing the story to being the story of resilience and creation of new life and new stories and meaning and careers uh, wherever they chose to take their families. Um, And I think so. I think it really is 
there are lots of ways that being in community with artists and art um, can can heal and also build new futures. You you really have been instrumental in your career of being able to help artists tell those stories, obviously, and different different aspects. And we'll touch on that throughout the show. How did it feel to hear your to find out that you had actually won one of the governor's arts awards? Well, it's really funny. I got the phone call from the from Sarah Story, the former director of the Arts Commission, um, and I was I was really concerned because I had nominated some people to win oh. awards. Yeah, and so I thought she was calling me to tell me about them that there was a problem or something or whatever. Yeah, yeah. or that they had won. Yeah, well, you that's know. true. Um, and when she said that it that I was going to receive one, I said, nah, I, I <laughs> no, I can't be right. Um, I was really, really shocked and then humbled and then um, so moved and touched, you know, yeah. especially when I got to see letters people had written and things like that. Um, you know, so much of work is real just work. Yeah. And Especially coming out of a pandemic, too. Because, uh, I mean, it's the last three years have been a slog in for you. And like I said, um, there has been a lot of financial challenges. Obviously, you could not have people come visit. It was just, I mean, it was it was hell on earth. And for you to come out of it, and then you find that out, and you get to read the letters. It, it was almost like It's a Wonderful Life without them handing out the big yeah. basket full of money. Yeah, and it's almost like, now what do I do? <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, <know? really. laughs> um, but there's plenty left to do. You get up and go to work. Okay. You know, I know how that is. Yeah. I know how that is. Um, you know, you started in Greenville, Mississippi. That's, I did. You know, that's where you grew up. And you grew up in a land literally was a, a place with so many wonderful authors. And, and you fell in love with that and those stories and, and telling the stories. You ended up yeah. getting, uh, you went to Millsaps, I guess you got your English a degree from there, and then yeah. you went on to get a master's in that at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. So I went to Tennessee. We won't talk about that. But okay. anyway. Um, Orange, so much orange. I know. And you know, the only joke I know is what does um, a Tennessee grad call Vanderbilt grad? What? Boss. Ooh. <laughs> so it's a little cell phone on that one. But um, <laughs> what what was it? I mean, seriously, when you're sitting there in, in English class and you're studying, you know, the great authors, and, and some of them are still living and walking around in town, you might actually get to see them at the grocery store. That is another gift of Mississippi, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I took a class in high school about Mississippi writers. Um, And so even at that point, and that's really when I fell in love with literature, I knew that people writing about a place formed formed our ideas about it and, and helped us understand it. And so when I was sitting in a high school classroom reading, you know, whether it was Shelby Foote or Walker Percy or Ellen Douglas, all people who lived in Greenville, it was, um, I don't know, it became something that I expected. It, you know, it wasn't shocking that, you know, we were the the state of... um, Faulkner and and Welty and Richard Wright. I mean, my high school English teacher, I remember, took me one Saturday to Greenwood to hear uh, Elizabeth Spencer and Eudora Welty read. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was just glad to see her in the jitney. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> exactly. You know, but I mean, 
And when I was at Millsaps, uh, I was taking English classes, and the visiting professor was Cleonth Brooks. And I don't know if that means anything to most people. He was actually one of the, quote, agrarians. Um, Well, actually, he was adjacent to that. He was a professor at Yale, but he made his name as a critic of Southern literature. And I looked around one day, and Eudora Welty was sitting in there observing the class. (laughs) So... It became an expectation of my life that artists would be helping me understand my life and my place and the connection to the larger world. I will say this as an outsider, because I didn't move here until I was 28 years old, so I'm a newcomer. I've only been here, what, 26 years or whatever, 27 27 years, that the importance of Mississippi artists and writers and musicians is the fact that if you've ever been outside of Mississippi and seen other people that are not from here try to tell our stories, it is usually cartoonish and cliched and usually not very positive. And not necessarily it has to be positive, but it's not real. And I think our authors, that's the value of having so many talented, wonderful storytellers come out of here is because the story, it's, it's, like, the, it's like the two museums. It's like, yeah. okay. We tell our story from our heart because it's home. And, you know, I, I don't know about you. I don't know if you have, you know, I don't know if you have siblings or not. I got two sisters. I can say all kinds of stuff about them. If anybody else does, I want to fight them. Right. So, but I mean, I think that's important. I just think that's been such an important for our state's history to tell our story honestly. Well, I think Warts honesty is, is, Warts the, and all. is the key there because, yeah. um, we can speak the truth yeah. uh, because we've lived it. Um, and, you know, it's different from propaganda. It's different from kind of pride field. And I think my own understanding has has changed over the decades mm-hmm. from being a place that, you know, I was so proud that we were the place that had created the blues. And, and I still am. Yeah. But now I have a much deeper understanding of this economic and social structures that for good and for terrible reasons made the blues possible so um but that makes it all richer it makes it it makes it more real and um i think that honesty is critical and people know when you're being honest and when you're not that's true that's true, and especially in art, because yeah. you just can't. Uh, like it doesn't so, land if you're not. No, it really doesn't. And, and that's the same yeah. way, you know, with the cartoons. Cartoons don't work if there's no not a degree of truth to it. Because like you said, it becomes propaganda right. or whatever. It just is yeah. kind of icky at that point. How did you migrate to Jackson? How did you make it down here? I went to Millsaps. Well, that, that'll do it. Yeah. And you, and, you know, I did go to Vanderbilt for several years. I thought I would get a doctorate in English and um, teach English forever. Yeah. But I had things happen when I was here in my 20s, uh, personal things that were hard, and I needed to get out of academics for a yeah. little while. So I went to the next best thing, which was the Art Museum, and I was an educator there before I went to the Arts Commission. Um, but it, it, you know, it evolved as Mary Catherine Bateson talks about in Composing a Life. Um, often women women's lives are acts of improvisation rather than the result of a a disciplined drive, you know, in a linear path. 
And mine was that too. I just became more and more committed to and uh, aware of the power that art and the arts have to make us better in so many ways as individuals, in communities, and the the story, the state, and the country. You know, I really believe that Mississippi's story is the American narrative. Mm-hmm. And that we have a lot to teach, not just to learn, in terms of resilience, in terms of understanding and being honest, as you just said, about our history, and then having real conversations about what it means Mm -hmm. to overcome that and to create something better for our children. Um, And so the more I worked in it, the more I would see whether it was something happening in Kemper County or, you know, on the coast or or in Tupelo, anywhere. They're just these people who who get it, and it doesn't take a grant, and it doesn't take acknowledgement. They're just, they're people in every community who understand that they need the arts there to help help them be in community. And... um, so, you know, I, was having, I just I was, kept doing it. Yeah. And, and you know, I was just thinking about you in high school and, you know, you're getting to literally rub shoulders with famous people and you've literally turned that into your career. Because, I mean, how many incredible artists that you have gotten to have dinner with or getting to visit with at the museum or you've gotten to do it through the Arts Commission? Every aspect of your career, you have been able to not only get to know them, but to help elevate them, too. I mean, what a blessing that's turned it's out to be. It's a real gift. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a... It really is. Um, and, you know, I feel a little bit selfish for doing it because I'm the main beneficiary pay, And they pay you, it. too. And they pay me to do it. <laughs> and I get to eat. That's right. <laughs> which is awesome. The other piece, which I, I kind of mentioned at the end of my um, remarks at the Governor's Awards, is that it's the, it's the space in which my children were raised. Yeah. And so we've been able to do a lot of that together, you know, between my husband's work in um, in the social sector, and, and he's been he's been doing that for as long as you've been doing this. Exactly. Thing. I mean, he's, you both have have hung with it. He has been, you know, working on Bailey Avenue for twenty eight years or something, and yeah. so to have us as a family be able to experience um, the joy, the heartache, all of those cliches. Um, but you know, my daughter's essay to get into college was started with, you know, I grew up in art museums, and and went on to talk about what the Barnes collection meant to her. Yeah. Um, so. So I feel so grateful for that. Yeah. I really do. You, well, so you're at the Arts Commission. How did you end up making the leap from the Arts Commission to the Mississippi Museum of Art? Well, you know, I'd been at the museum before and as an educator, and I I truly was so happy at the Arts Commission. I loved that job. And... We were at a really great place. Yeah. Um, we had just gotten uh, uh, the first ever Bond Act approved for uh, construction and renovation of arts facilities across the state. We'd gotten a million-dollar grant from the Lyle Wallace Fund. We'd gotten another million-dollar grant from the Department of uh, the U.S. Department of Education. I felt really good, you know. Um, 
But I was pregnant with my second child, and I got a call from the museum uh, from a mentor of mine, uh, Jane Hyatt, who was on the museum board and yeah, was Jane was your mentor. Oh That's yeah! Cool. What, a, what a wonderful mentor oh, to yeah. have. She was incredible. She hired me at the Arts Commission, yeah. um, and she, then she went on to be on the museum board after she retired, and I was interim director. And she called me one day and. I said, I don't know anything about running an art museum. And she said, well, you know, you didn't know about running a state agency either. So, <laughs> so you know, it was part of it was just very practical. I yeah. needed to travel less. I was, you know, I was on the road all the time yeah. at the Arts Commission. Um, I needed to travel less. And part of me wanted to see if I could do what I had been teaching other people to do actually run an organization that was giving direct services. Yeah. You know, we at the Arts Commission, you know, would give advice to grantees and other organizations, but I wanted to see if I could do it myself. Yeah, being married to an art teacher whose school was a whole art school for a long time, I know you played a big role in that, too. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, but Jane invented it. Yeah, that's right. She yeah, did. she did. She did. And it, I mean, it's so, and for those who are not familiar with it, basically it is using the arts to help uh, teach other other subjects. Sorry, I, was, I suddenly forgot how to talk, which is a dangerous thing when you're doing a radio show. <laughs> I tell you what, let me just gather myself here. You're listening and now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and we're with the Mississippi Museum of Art Director, Betsy Bradley. I remember... Um, when you, I remember when you got the job. I was thrilled that you got it. And um, I was trying to think. I think my show was in 2005, 2000. I was the last show in the old museum. I always tell people that. Right. I, I literally, a show of, there's a hundred of my cartoons. Y'all did. It was a great show. The opening was was huge. There's a lot of people there. It was just a really wonderful night. I was my, it was probably the, my, my pinnacle of my career here in Mississippi. It was, it was so much fun. It, it was a great day and a great, great show. And it was curated. Robin did a great job curating. It was just really done well. And then y'all closed that museum. So I always tell everybody that I closed the old museum. <laughs> I was the reason why you had to fumigate it and go build a new one. But but seriously, those you took the, the facilities that were used during the, when Pat Fordyce would bring, you know, during that time, there was the, was the, the Paris one, I'm trying to remember. Splendors of Versailles. Versailles. Yeah. Glory of Dresden was the last one. Yeah. yeah. And then the one about Spain where the king... Tragedy of Spain. The king of Spain came over to make sure we unpawned off his stuff. That was I, fun. That was fun. I did a good... He actually... Did, I did a cartoon where I had his picture up and somebody saying, it's a Mississippi welcomes the king. And, and somebody said, that ain't Elvis. That was my cartoon. <laughs> and they gave that to the king. Well, you know, which I was kind of touched by. You I thought should that was, be. That was like pretty odd. I, I can't say that the king's ever gotten my stuff before, so that was that was a pretty cool thing. Well, and you know, you may think the governor's award was is that a pinnacle of my career, but actually, it was when I was featured in a Marshall Ramsey cartoon. That's right. I had forgotten about that. That's right. I hope there's no bad blood. Nope. Okay, it was good. hysterical. And that's was the end really of the show. Funny. Okay, <laughs> we gotta go now. Um, yeah, no. Um, Wow, that was a, that was a zillion and a half years ago. That was fun. I hope I did you justice because most people complained about how I draw. It them, was so. funny. It was about um, getting that new building, yeah. getting that building um, turned over to us to renovate and turn into the art museum, and me and Harvey Johnson. Yeah, it was fun. That was fun. Um, for those folks, if you have not been to the Mississippi Museum of Art, 
<clears throat> it's an incredible facility. It is a living museum, which, uh, and, I, and I say that, I was up for a job in another town back in 2007, and they had an, an amazing art museum because they had a lot of oil money, but it was a dead museum, uh, as hmm. in it was not, it was stuff from a period of time, but that really didn't seem to have grown much since the time that they put the museum in. But when you got in the new building, um, I think the greatest thing about the new building was the fact that you were able to open up the vault and bring out the Mississippi collection and get yes. down the wall. And folks, if you have not had a chance to go down there, uh, it is a beautiful facility, but just go and look at the Mississippi artists and just stand. I mean, all the other collections are great. All the different exhibits you do are fantastic. But go look at the Mississippi artists. If you really are not proud of Mississippi or anyway, go down there. That'll recharge your battery. It's amazing. It is. I mean, they really are so, you know, our history is so full of these people. And we think Mississippi is all about writers and musicians. Uh, but the legacy of visual artists is really strong and is growing. And uh, it, I've seen people in there with tears running down their yeah. face. Um, it's, it is really a reminder of what's important. And, you know, for me, I just wanted to make sure, since we were located next to the convention center, which was being built at the same time, that if some person from Kansas came in because they were at a convention, that, that A, they there wouldn't be a barrier to them coming in for 10 minutes, so yeah. no admission to that part of the museum. And B, they would remember where they had been when they left. Yeah. Because I didn't want us to be a little mini metropolitan museum. It was really important that we were, we are of and from Mississippi. I think y'all still have like five of my pieces. We do. And I probably need to come by. I was looking at them online. I, I'm afraid that some of the lines are probably fading because I use cheap pens. So... Well, we try to rotate them and keep them yeah. in storage some so they don't get much light exposure. Is it allowed to touch up if they ever need to touch up? Sure. Because I know the guy. I know a guy can do that. You so, do? Yeah, because seriously, if you use cheap ink, it disappears. you got to use, That's really you gotta use archival ink. And so I, I've noticed that because I've, I've got, what, 8,000 originals. You know, and I look wow. back at some of them and go, hmm, I need, to, I need to touch that up a little bit. Oh, but enough of that. Like I said, in, in how do you decide what exhibits come in and what stories you're going to tell? And I know you have a fantastic team that you work with, and that's a big reason why you're, you're successful and the museum is successful. Absolutely. Just, you have just had some just rock star people come through there working there over the years. Yeah, we've been so lucky. And, you know, Robin, you mentioned Robin Dietrich. She yeah. still helps us with exhibition design, um, which is an underrated profession. It's so important. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it is a process. We try to always uh, be mining Mississippi's own story, yeah. as you said. Um, at the same time, we appreciate that we have the opportunity to bring to the state artworks that people who aren't as fortunate as we are and don't get to travel to all these places may not see. And so we mix it up, yeah. you know, and we do want everything we do to really feed our mission, which really is about connection. Mm -hmm. And so if we bring something in from Spain or, or France or Italy, as we have done, we try to find the connections with our story because we are connected to those stories. 
And even if it's a matter of inspiration only, um, but we also try to to really live into our commitment to inclusion and diversity and equity. And so, you know, if we're presenting a society or a culture that um, that had a dark underbelly, just as some will say that we do, yeah, we we try to be open about that too. Well, I mean, like I said, I, if you don't tell the complete story, it's not telling the story. Right. Yeah. And artists are human beings just like we are. Right. And so they're not perfect. They they have their own stories, and they make art out of those stories. Right. So understanding them and the complexity of, of the motivations for their work is really important. No, trauma is very powerful for all artists yeah. because you work through it, and that's how you work through it a lot of times. You get it out on canvas or you get it to do it with clay or you're doing it with sculpture or whatever. You're getting out whatever is inside of you, and sometimes it's a joy. It's just, you know— yeah, and we, you know, we have the Scholastic Art Awards up every year. Okay, let me start with that. For folks, I judge that one year, and I got to tell you, there are 13-year-olds that make me look like I draw with my toes. <laughs> they are, I mean, I was so humbled when I saw that. We have so much talent in the state. Amazing? Every single year, you're looking at this stuff going, that's amazing. It's up right now, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm so grateful that there are adults and students Working together to learn, even if they don't live on to be artists, yeah. to know that that's a way to work through things. Yes. You know, it is a resource that they have for the rest of their lives right. to help them understand themselves better. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to make a living to be able to heal yourself. That's right. You know, and actually it probably help you make a living because if, if, you, if you heal through that. I love sitting there, and I remember going to the ceremony, and I remember— seeing not only the kids get that little bit of encouragement that probably will fuel them to a career mm-hmm. because honestly every that's why a lot of us started drawing in the first place trust me it's like hey you're really good you know that kind of thing <laughs> but to see their parents light up oh, and yeah. see their parents believe in their child's dream too that's a that is because these aren't kids yeah. that get trophies at football banquets i mean right. sometimes they are but sometimes they're the quiet kids or the kids who you know learn in a different way and so to see them get you know a little bit of a trophy and to see their parents have that opportunity to be proud is really great yeah i remember i think you speaking of millsaps which i know you still give a lot back to millsaps and and and, you know it's important it is yeah i understand that because it it helped that's why we're sitting here talking to each other it's Mm -hmm. because of millsaps Uh, i got to go to the arts and lecture series and my dad, mom and dad were in the audience. They were still alive then, and, and they got to see me. And I think that was the first time they'd ever heard me speak. And uh-huh. it was a sold-out crowd. It was a great, great night. And my dad came up to me afterwards, and he said, you know, you're the first person I ever have known that knew what they wanted to do at eight, and they did. And wow. I, was, I was like, like, wow, okay. So that year I was a janitor out of college. You didn't, you're okay with that now? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot all about that. But like I said, if you can give that chance to, yeah. to these kids' parents to get to see that, to see what their children are capable of. Because some, you know, it's tough. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a cartoonist or I'm going to be an artist or I'm going to be whatever. And, you know, it's like there's no straight path to do that sometimes. No. I Just was, doing the work. Yeah, I, mean, I called my father from Millsaps and told him I was dropping accounting. Now, he was a CPA and had built 
all of our lives from his professional practice. And you heard the needle scratch across the record on that one. I think I'm going to take a, a English class instead. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. but he got over it. Yeah. And I got a letter from him after he heard me talk at the Governor's Arts Awards <sighs> one time. And, you know, I treasure that. He yeah. didn't write me letters, but I treasure it. So now that your kids are chasing their dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my daughter works in the book publishing industry. Oh, so wow. she's uh, she's in New York, but she is working with books and writers and, and art all day, every day. Yeah. So that, that's got to make you smile. Oh, it does. I know. It's really weird that everybody's like, do your kids draw? No, none of my kids draw. Really? But they're all very creative. And they've it's all manifested in different ways, whether it's through music or writing or speaking or whatever. Yeah. They're way more creative than I am. My job as a parent is to not say, oh, here's some crayons. You know, mine is, oh, you're doing this. That's amazing. When they, moments when I think they're going to quit. Yeah. And that's that's the, but like I said, that's through art education at the museum. You're giving these kids the opportunity to 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 discover and to learn and to grow. I hope so. No wonder you won the award. Come on. <laughs> but I mean, that's so important. I think it's important. Yeah, I had Malcolm White on. I can't remember a couple of weeks ago. Whenever you know, I, I'm forgetting things these days. Um, great interview. Talked a little bit about his time at the Arts Commission and how important it is, but. You know, when when Haley Barber was governor, and I will say this, and this is probably the one thing about Haley that I will always celebrate, was the fact that he got it in his head that art is good business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He absolutely got that. Yeah. And, and you know, you go to, and I'll just throw the B.B. King Museum out there in Indianola. You look at their guest book, all from Europe. Yeah, I, mean, I know. People are Crazy. Coming, yeah, people are coming here drop, dropping money. And and I, same thing with the museum. I mean, you'll go, and I love like, you know, when you do. And I, and I sadly because I don't work a, a block away like I used to for 22 years. I don't yeah. get down there as much as I need to, and I need to come down and see y'all because I really love just sitting there and looking at the paintings. I mean, because that's how that's how I learn. Hmm. I mean, I've I've had one one art class, but I can go to your museum and sit there and for five hours and get a master's degree. That's lovely. Because I could see how other people do it. That's so nice to hear. You know, and you can't get that sometimes from a print. You can get it from looking at an original. Oh, absolutely. You, you don't mi- get it from a screen either. You see Sorry. Their mis- you see their mistakes. Yeah. You know, that's that's what it's about. So um, let's, get, let's talk a little bit about the hard times, the pandemic. Yeah. Are, are you okay with that? Um, you know, I don't want to trigger anything. No. <laughs> Good. No, that was, I mean, it, you know, I think we're all walking around with unprocessed trauma from that. Sure. For you, and, and I was looking back because I interviewed a couple people that um, you did some events online and so forth that I was interviewing them. So I wanted to watch it and so forth. But it was just suddenly like it happened so fast. It was like hitting a brick wall. And then suddenly you have to pivot and you have to learn and you have to change. And, you know, I mean, y'all are you're funded by donations and you know it's like if people can't come see the museum people might not make that donation and you know people were worried about money it 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 had to be a very stressful time for you well of course it was and you know it was stressful for all of those reasons that we depend on you know the person who walks in the door and they couldn't walk in the door for six months or five months um it was also just like every single person who 
works in a workplace with other people. You just worried about each other. Yeah. And, you know, it was really hard for the human beings there. Mm-hmm. And so that took as much time, it felt like to me, as trying to lead, you know, a team into adapting and learning new skills. And they were terrific. Um, And we learned a lot. And then, of course, we got to reopen in July with, was it July, August? It might have been August, with... uh, an exhibition of French Impressionist paintings yeah. and to see people, I mean, really, I did see a lot of tears rolling down faces because people, we did a good job of keeping people safe inside the museum and people could walk in, they could see other humans. Um, they may not get too close to them, yeah. but they could see them and they could stand in front of a Van Gogh yeah. and a Picasso and a Monet and just think about something other than disease for a minute. And I have chills now thinking about the lines of people waiting to get in to see that when we reopened. Yeah. It really, it was important. And um, it really was so gratifying to me to think, oh, this is why we did this. Jump off a subject just for hair, but the Van Gogh exhibit, I was thinking about this. I was watching a little segment from Doctor Who where they brought Van Gogh to one of his exhibits, to that exhibit. <laughs> and, you know, he was, like, looking around at everybody, and he grabs the curator and curators, oh, yeah, Van Gogh is most important, his, his use of color. And, all that. and Van Gogh's just sitting there looking at it, realizing suddenly that maybe his life had purpose and meaning and so forth. And Wow. That's what's so great about the fact that what you're able to do, even with the living artists, is you're able to show them that, that, that their work means something and it has value. Well, and that's why the connection to the audience is so important or the connection to the person who walks in the door because it is a very human connection and um, it's so wonderful to see young students get to talk to artists and ask them questions and um, be inspired by them and learn from them. So, yeah, it's um, a real gift. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and I'm with Betsy Bradley. And she won a 2023 Governor's Arts Award winner for leadership in visual arts and community. Um, back to the, the Arts Award that night, and I love the pictures, and everybody's so happy and with big smiles. And, <laughs> and it's it's that moment when we're celebrating something positive and wonderful. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, and you had mentioned earlier, just being with the class that you were in was very humbling and, and beautiful so at the great. same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a real privilege because um, I'd worked with Ed McGowan and Keith Francis for yeah. decades. And to be in the same sphere with them really meant a lot. And then yeah. the Heron Foundation, you know, has been our biggest supporter for for three decades. And they are the reason we can bring these incredible exhibitions to Mississippi. And so to be with them really, really did mean a lot. And, you know, Ralph Eubanks, I'm such a fan. I am too. And he's on our board. And it was like this big homecoming. It's been the year year of Ralph. 
It has been I mean, the year. He got bro. to do the Grand Marshal down in Mount Olive, his hometown. <laughs> He's got the book out, which is was lovely. He was really great at the book festival this year. And the national recognition oh, of yeah. being at Cambridge and all of that. It so. was it was really I remember it was two thousand twelve or whatever and I tweeted something and I was up in Washington and I got a tweet back from Ralph saying, Hey, you're near the Library of Congress, come by and see me and he gave me a quick tour and everything. That's when I got to know him and then wow. when he was teaching down here at Millsaps, you know, he and I would run together, which by the way, for the record, Ralph, you may is a great runner. He is very fast. Um, he, <laughs> or that I'm very slow, which is probably more the latter than the other. But but to see him get the love that he's been getting this year is fantastic. I was glad to see him get in there, too. Me, too. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, Ralph, Ralph's good. As they, as my grandmother would say, good people. Good people. He He's a truth teller. Yes, he is. He is very honest, and, and, and he is to you personally, too. And that's what I love about him. Let me ask you about the future of the arts. Um, you know, I, I was. I've got a friend who's a cartoonist who's been playing around with the, the artificial intelligence now. Yeah, which yeah. you know that kind of scares you a little bit as a visual artist uh, to know that there's now. But I think it, you know, that it's still art without a soul. But I don't know. It's just. Scary. I don't know either, Marshall. I feel like the people. It's still going to be created by humans in some way. Yeah. And so you know, you hope that the soul gets poured into it. I confess I don't understand a lot of it. Um, But, you know, 20 years ago, I didn't understand a lot of uh, video art and um, and other types of um, technology-based art. So, and I've come around. So I think that, you know, as long as the human hand is involved and there is a story... um, I think we'll be okay, <laughs> too. And but I don't. I think people don't ever stop wanting to see handmade objects. Right. And I think you know, it, I've learned so much um, doing some research this past year, um, where I've been to Germany a few times and really thinking through how they dealt with their traumatic history. Yeah. And um, it always goes back to it's. It's the real object that human hands have touched, Mm -hmm. whether it's a a historic artifact like you see at the two museums, uh, the history museums, or or an artwork. Um, People want to know that it's been touched by human hands, and it tells a story. So I think that will never go away as long as humans are the, the main caretakers of this planet. I played around with a little bit. I got to admit, when I do it, I'm a better artist. You know, I mean, my, really? my, my, well, I mean, obviously the artwork looks prettier than what I do. But then again, I've always thought that, you know, what I do, I mean, I can paint photorealistically if I need to, but I always felt like that, it, you know, more impressionistic, more f- messy, more, because then it shows a little bit more of your soul. Right. You know, and at the end of right. the day, and, I, and what you just said, I think I heard Steven Spielberg say something very similar about mm-hmm. that about film, too. You know, because, you know, obviously they can have digital actors now and they don't have to have real actors. But if you take the humanity out of it, what good is it? Right. What's the future of the museum? Well, we, we've got a lot in the in the pipeline, so to speak. Um, we are thinking about, you know, our, our physical plant and and doing some master planning there. It's been hard to believe. It's been 15 years since we went into the building and 10 since we built the art garden. So we're thinking about the needs of 2023 versus the older needs. And 
um, some great exhibitions coming up as well. One I can't talk about yet, but one— You're not going to break it here on this show? Well, if I can call in tomorrow afternoon, I may be able to. Okay. and then one by a Mississippi artist, uh, Noah Satterstrom, who grew up in Natchez mm-hmm. and works now in Nashville. And he's doing a really incredible series of paintings uh, that get at the heart of uh, what it means to live in a family where mental illness oh, wow. um, yeah. is part of your story. And he's... Anyway, we're making all these connections with the state hospital and the Asylum Hill Project. And so lots of fun um, and serious uh, programs and partnerships that I hope reach a lot of people in the coming year. I spoke up at a retired doctor's group, and they were talking about the Asylum Hill thing. Unbelievable, just that story, you know. It really is. They're finding children. And we're, and we're connecting you know. with these descendants. Oh, yeah, my, one of my great friends, Lada Burris, runs that project. Yeah, yeah. And um, the stories she can tell are amazing. That's amazing. I, I, just, I met her and I was like, I got to get you on. I got to get you on to talk about this. Cause, and I was just thinking about, you know, we're both parents and literally thinking about how bad something must have be to put your child in that hospital and, and, you know, then ends up in a grave and a pauper's grave in an adult casket. Yeah. And, and is basically erased yeah. from history. And so, you know, re bringing them back to life. Yeah. So All to because speak. they needed to expand, you know, yeah. and the backhoe hit a, hit a coffin, you know, it's just incredible. The building itself looked like something out of Shawshank Redemption. You know, it's it's kind of a shame in Jackson that our architecture couldn't handle the Yazoo Clay. Because, right. I mean, we had some really just gothic, sinister-looking architecture uh, yeah. during that time, too. But uh, it's just incredible. I, well, I look forward to that. that that'll that be great. And, and that'll be wonderful, too. And I didn't really touch on the on the garden because that was the first outdoor green space in Jackson since the 70s. Right. And it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it really does. Because um, I've always, and I loved downtown, and I loved working downtown when I did, because I just felt like the architecture is really great. There's great stories. There's so much history. Oh, there's the bus station where the Freedom Riders went. Or exactly. there, there's where Sherman stayed, or, you know, right. whatever. Whatever history applies to Jackson, it's right there. But it's always been tan brick. Right. You know, and so <laughs> it was just kind of cool to see that pop up, you know, like it did. It's just... That's been so lovely. And well, Town Creek yeah. has behaved, too, so that's been important also. So far. Yeah, knock on wood, 15 years. Yeah. So please don't rain. Yeah. Well, in the remaining five minutes or so that we've got, is there anything I haven't touched on? Because, like I said, um, you've had a great career. And like I said, between you and Robert, you both sticking with the same job for so long, um, that's pretty impressive also. Well, thank you. Um, I have some very patient um, and kind trustees <laughs> who have allowed me to do that. And and really, as you mentioned earlier, the, the people I've been able to work with as colleagues have really taught me, you know, more than more than any formal education could. And so I'm really grateful to all of them, even if they're not there anymore. Yeah. Um because people move around. Um, so I do, I do. I feel uh, grateful for all of that. Um, and I, I do want people to understand that any of these art forms um, need 
need the whole community to mm-hmm. help make them survive yeah. because um, if we don't invest in them, um, people, artists are going to leave, yeah. institutions are going to fail, and places are going to disappear. And we need um, the community to, to kind of get that, that mm-hmm. this is a resource it may not. It, sometimes it's not as tangible as you as you know a manufacturing center. Yeah. But it's a resource that requires constant care and investment, and it can't just be those of us who are paid to do it. So that's why volunteer boards are important. It's why donors are important. It's why the foundation base and philanthropic sector here are important. It takes all of us. Definitely, and I, and. The, the people talk about the creative class, but I think in Mississippi it's extra special because how much pride do we have when somebody does well on the national stage? Yeah. And we really do. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it, you can talk to anybody who's ever had a taste of that and they just know that people, no matter what political stripe or anything else, are just proud that you made Mississippi proud. Right. Yeah. I mean, we just had an article in a national uh, publication this week, uh, hyperallergic, about this incredible gift we just got of 131 quilts made by African-American women across the South. Wow. All of these collected by photographer yeah. Roland Freeman. And um, But I would get these messages from across the country saying they'd seen that article and how how great it made them feel that that things are continuing to grow here in Mississippi. So what can we do to help artists in Mississippi? Well, you can go to their exhibitions. You can buy their art. You can introduce them to people. You can, you know, connect them with um, anybody you know across the country. Um, But really be in relationship with them. And, you know, obviously I think you should support the art museum. But I would hope you were going to say that. (laughs) So that asks in the last, I guess, minute or so. How can people help support the art museum? There are lots of ways to do that. They can, first of all, just walk in the door um, and then keep walking in the door so often that you feel like it's better to become a member of the museum than not. And just stay engaged. Show up. Um, You'll you'll find that you meet people you like when you're at events at the art museum and um, stay in relationship with us. But really... Come visit, become a member, be in dialogue with us, criticize us when we don't do things right, and um, of course, any contributions of of money or art or property, you know, whatever. And there's ways to, they can volunteer? Yes, absolutely. There are ways to volunteer, and there are ways to, to be a guide and get paid by the hour to help um, other people experience great art. Betsy, I can't tell you how thrilled I am that you received a Governor's Arts Award this year because you have been in the trenches working really hard to help promote artists that does, that need that that promotion that the museum's done. And you've had a great career. You're going to have continue to have a great career. And I just appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today. Thank you, Marshall. That means so much to me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for listening, and special thanks to our guest, Betsy Bradley, for joining us. And if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes again, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app or on our MPB Public Media app. 
Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio with episode and podcast produced by the incredible Jermaine Flood. Hey, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit is coming up next. And join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey. Y'all have a great week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.